Welcome to WeAreTechnology.com's User-Friendly 2.0 with host Bill Sickens, Technology Architect. And this is User-Friendly 2.0. Welcome to this week's show. Jeremy, Gretchen, welcome. Hello. Hi there. Great to have you here. We've got a good show coming up. Got a number of different things to talk about. We're going to be doing a book review with you guys. Uh-huh. And uh, it's on something called Alphabet Squadron, and I'm curious to see what you think about this. But uh, I'm going to, you know, a little bit of a spoiler work alert here. This is a Star Wars book. <gasps> oh dear! And I'm sure everybody is in shock that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it sounds like, and it's not one book; it's a set of books, or uh, I think you called it a graphic novel. So we'll get into that a little bit in more detail on what that actually is. Steve's got an interview for us this week and next week. We are going to be doing a 4th of July clip show, and we'll talk about that a little later in the show. But uh, we're going to have a fun one with that. We're going to be looking back at some interviews, including some content from the original user-friendly. So that'll be a little bit of fun to take a look at there. So how is everything going for you guys? A little bit of a bummer that we're having a lot of these uh, schedule changes on our events. I really miss the events. I, I miss the events too, but we are saving quite a bit of money. Yeah, well, there is that end <laughs> of it. <laughs> but I don't know. I think like most of America, I'm ready to get out and do something again and, you know, have it Absolutely. Be safely. So, you know, hopefully we'll get some things in this year. I think we're kind of lucky that we actually got to get to go to that Wizard World Comic Con back in February, right before all this started. Anyway, that being said, here we are. Got a great show for you this week. The news is brought to you by Tualatin Auto Body has been your trusted, locally-owned, community-driven, and highly-awarded collision shop for 34 years. Tualatin Auto Body, when quality is never an accident. What's in the news? Walmart is testing self-check-only store. So this is happening in Alabama, and what they're trying to do is replace all of the man-checkers with self-checkout stands. I don't know. What do you think of that? Um, hmm. I don't understand that, but whatever. I mean, I, I mean, I, I see some positive things and some negative things. The self check is is fine for some people, but then you lose a lot of jobs. Yeah. Um, I know that Oregon has the um the, the where you have to have people pump your gas. Yes. Uh, all of us can pump our own gas, but by having that in Oregon, that assures that um, groups of the population can actually get a job. So one checker can run four to six automated checkout stands, even more, depending on the way that they have it designed. So Uh what you're talking about here is a reallocation of jobs in a way that it costs less not to have to have a checker at each check stand. Now, Walmart's also saying that in this environment, they do have people available to help if that should become necessary. And I'm trying to think, you know, on my own thing with this is I do use the self-checkout sometimes when I'm at the store. I still go to a checker sometimes. Since the COVID thing has started happening, I know they want to do a lot more for the safety of their employees and not having the one-on-one situation would be more ability to do the social distancing thing. However, they started thinking about this test a lot before COVID became a thing. So it's something that's been in the works. And again, I think the primary purpose, it's like McDonald's and Wendy's and stuff going to electronic ordering platform in their restaurant. Same idea. You just don't have to have as many people working for you. Twitter rolls out voice tweets. So this is not something that I necessarily would be interested in myself. What it is, is Twitter, like most of our other social media platforms, has been seeing a little bit of a wane in the use of social media. 
And as part of that, they're trying to bring new features. Facebook just introduced a thing called Rooms, where you can have video conferencing within your Facebook account. And this is kind of that, not the idea of video conferencing, but the idea of a new feature that they don't currently have. The idea is that you can give a voice tweet up to 140 seconds that will appear in your timeline. You can play it back. It will dock to a lower part of the screen so you can continue to scroll through Twitter and that type of thing while you're listening to it. And you can reply by voice. Now, the initial test is only going to work on the Apple iOS environment. So for Android users, all of us, as an example, there isn't going to be this, at least not during the test period. And it's unknown when or if they're even going to roll it out beyond Apple. If you go more than 140 seconds, it will work. But what it does is it divides up your voice tweet and creates an automatic thread of tweets that can contain all of the different pieces. And then you would play them back to back, essentially. So that's what this is. It's a feature to allow you to do something more than just your typing a tweet out. Um, Again, I think this will be somewhat lukewarm. There will be some people that will really like this. And a lot of people that will think this isn't, you know, now I have to sit and play something back, that kind of a thing. Yeah, I agree. One fifth of the ocean floor is mapped. Tell so with all of that. our with all of our technology and everything that we have, we actually know more about space than we do about the ocean floor. So this is a project that's uh, been ongoing where they're using devices like ground penetrating radar, satellite, and other technologies to be able to go through and map what the ocean floor really is and what it actually looks like. And one of the bummers that they've been finding with this is that there is plastic crap everywhere. Yeah. It is just, you know, it's kind of penetrated. They've even found it in the trench. Mariana Trench? Yeah, there is plastic. So it is definitely, they're learning, I think, a lot more and more about how that affects the ecosystem and what's going on with the environment. But the one thing... Hmm. They found they found plastic in our national parks. It's gotten into the air. Yeah, it is. It is definitely all over the place. But I do think that mapping the ocean floor will give us a lot more understanding of not just that, but the ecosystem and everything else that's going on, and really give us more understanding of something on our own planet that we don't currently have. So, do you remember the maps in National Geographic that would show the ocean floors? Yeah, or the, am I just really old? No, the topographic <laughs> maps and that kind of thing, and that we have had. I always thought those were cool. And yeah. so now, obviously, they're doing it with something that is digitally, um, you know, you can look at it in a computer. Yeah, a lot more detailed. So we we do know from that standpoint and from a broad standpoint what the ocean floor looks like. So it isn't like we don't know it at all. But this new technology and this new project that they're using is much, much more detailed. Uh, it's It's photographs. It's kind of like having a Google Street View of the bottom of the ocean. Cool. Nifty. Apple demonstrates iOS 14. So this was the week of the Apple show. It was done virtually, as most of our trade shows that are actually happening are. Hmm. And uh, we're seeing a couple of different things, actually a number of different things. No new hardware has been announced that I'm aware of. Hmm. However, there's a lot of updates that are coming out to their different products. iOS 14, which you just said, is a new version of the mobile operating system for the iPhone. And it's adding a number of new features. One of the ones that I thought was really kind of cool is the ability to group your apps into different folders. And that's something that we've had a version of on Android, but they're taking kind of a new approach to it, if you will. Uh, the way that the graphics look at, and we'll go ahead and include one in our social media for this week of what they've published and what it's going to look like, where you actually, it's not just a folder, but you can see what's in the folder. 
So I think it's kind of a nice, clean look. It's typical Apple where it's pretty easy to use and that type of thing. Um, the other big announcement, and there's a lot of different things out there, is that they are finally leaving OS X behind. They're Aww. moving on to a new operating system, uh, version 11. And uh, that's going to be something that actually kind of surprises me a little bit because we've been looking at OS X now for a number of years where they've just been doing sub-upgrades. And it's a major rewrite. We're going to see a number of uh, really different features. The way that it's going to work uh, is going to be, um, you know, different in the standpoint of how it feels, how it looks like, and that type of thing. The name they're using for it is Big Sur. And um, there's some demos of that online, and we'll cover that a little bit more as we actually see it. Samsung Blu-ray player having problems. Yeah, this is one of those type of situations that could be very frustrating. There seems to be a problem with a firmware update. And they're not exactly sure what's causing it, but a lot of users that have Samsung Blu-ray players are finding that the system gets stuck when it starts, or it'll sound like it's trying to load a disk, whether or not there's one in the system, and overall it just doesn't work right. So huh. I would think that there's going to be a fix out for this pretty soon, maybe, hopefully. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, it just is one of those situations that uh, is causing a lot of problems. And you got to wonder about quality control on these type of things, because really, at the end of the day, it seems like any company should know if it's going to be a complete uh, situation where their products stop working. Maybe don't put out that update. But the big, big guys have gotten in trouble for this a little bit. You know, uh, Microsoft has had problems with these type of things where they put out updates that will cause stuff to stop working. So it does happen, but on a hardware label, uh, you know, level, this could be extremely frustrating and uh, is something that uh, just I can see where you want to sit down and watch your movie and it doesn't work. All right, some other news for us just uh, coming up with our planned projects and that type of thing. Next week is going to be a clip show uh, for 4th of July. We're going to be looking back on some of our better interviews and that type of thing. And mm -hmm. I think that's going to be a lot of fun. Upcoming events, we still have Black Hat uh, virtually scheduled for August 1st through August 4th. Emerald City Comic Con, as we kind of anticipated, it might have scheduled and is scheduled for next year, so they're not even doing a virtual version. That's just off the uh, calendar, as is the UFO Festival that was scheduled for September that was a reschedule from earlier this year. So again, I think a lot of this falls under you know playing on the side of safety. And they don't completely know where we're going to be this fall. And it does take a lot of work in advance to put together an event like this. It doesn't just happen, of course. So you're dealing with having to give your vendors and ticket holders and all that upfront notice. So they decided to take it off the calendar. Still on for right now. Uh, we'll see where it goes. The Silicon Valley Comic Con in October and the Star Trek convention in Las Vegas that's been moved to December. This is User Friendly 2.0. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User Friendly 2.0. Jeremy Gretchen, welcome back to the show. Hey there. Hello. So I hear we have a book discussion today. Yeah, we've actually got two things. We have uh, a Marvel comic book. Um, Jeremy calls them. Well, the Age of Rebellion, uh, Star Wars Age of Rebellion is a series, and it's usually one comic book at a time. Each one is like 30 pages, half of its ads, you know. Um, so we end up buying the graphic novels, which is they take five or six comic books and stuff them together into one book. And this is the villains version. So it's 
Vader and and uh, Jabba the Hutt and Tarkin. Boba Fett and Tarkin. And it's a series of different stories, but it only is about them. So we're not reading one story about Vader and then Luke and then, you, you know, an old story about Yoda or anything. This is all just the villains. Just the so-called bad guys. And IG-88 is also in this yes. one, too. So Yeah, it's so, pretty cool. It's a, it's a nice series. The art's pretty good. The stories are good. Um, I didn't care for the Tarkin one. I didn't think it suited his character, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I thought the job of the Hut one was done well, though. Yes. <laughs> All right. So I, we right. had a listener question, by the way, about graphic novels. I'm just going to ask this before you really get into this. Okay. Are, are graphic novels in some way inappropriate for children? And I think where this comes from is the name. It depends on the story because um, there's uh, some versions of graphic novels that yeah. are uh, adult material. Right. Okay. It's like a different genre. It's a different genre. But the, the idea of a graphic novel is you've taken several different, instead of having to go collect 50 comic books, you collect uh, four graphic novels. And graphic refers to as pictures, not as in explicit material. Right. Okay. So I guess a good rule of thumb there would be to look at what your child is getting before they get it, Uh just to be sure. Because, but it doesn't mean by definition that it's adult oriented material. Right. There's, um, I think, like a lot of high-end uh, Japanese mm-hmm. material that is for adults. It, it's definitely grown-up stuff. Okay. So, okay. It, so just check it out. <laughs> it's always a good uh, idea to know what your, you know, what your children are reading anyway. All right. Age of Rebellion Villains. What did you think of it? I liked it. I, I like the comic book series anyway. I enjoy comic books. I grew up with them a lot. Um, but this is, you know, my favorite characters, except Tarkin. Um, but Boba Fett and Vader, and there's a really cool one with Jabba the Hutt in it that also has Boba Fett. Uh, there's a really cool story about IG-88. It's a good series. Uh, Marvel Comics is doing a really nice job with the with all of the uh, Star Wars comics. Oh, that's good to hear. That's good to hear. There's this okay. reputation that uh, Marvel's good at movies and DC's good at the books. Uh, but it looks like that's all being being flipped up here in the sense that it sounds like Marvel's got a good comic book, and I know some of the upcoming DC movies are going to be really good. So good to well, see. Cool. Now, now, this book called um, Star Wars Alphabet Squadron is uh, tied into a, a, a comic book series. Yes, it's a Star and, Wars TIE Fighter. Yeah. Um, and I think that was several years ago now. And they've given a sample inside of the book, inside of the novel of some of the drawings and stuff. And it wasn't anything that we had gotten involved in. But um, obviously, if you're into that particular comic book series, you might want to read the book. Right. Um, the book is, uh, gosh, I like Alexander Freed. Yet, um, I really felt like he wasn't very passionate about the characters. Um, I had a hard time feeling like he was in love with the characters and that these were awesome people that he just totally wanted to tell a story about. Um, I get that impression when I read uh, stuff about Admiral Thrawn by Timothy Zahn. And um, I can't remember the lady writer's name, but the Dark Disciple novel which is another Star Wars novel, I really felt like that she um, totally cared about the characters and that the story was written with love. And I think this one almost feels like um, he was told, here, write about this, and, and it like he wasn't totally excited. He's really good at writing the military stuff. Right. The, uh, describing uh, engagements and combat and the tools. He did that also in, was it, 
Battlefront? Mm-hmm. Battle the Battlefront book series, not yeah. the video game. Yeah, no. <laughs> so Jeremy, you what were your thoughts on it? Okay, it's it's a good series, it's a good novel. Um you're getting to come up with, you know, uh 20 or 30 new characters that you've never heard of before and a couple that you have and then it's about engagements uh between the um re- rebellion after the empire has fallen at Endor. It's like a cleanup uh, operation. So, okay. you know, the what's left of the empire is fragmented, not working as well as it could, but the resistance or rebellion or new republic or whatever you want to call it has to go in and clean up whatever the empire is trying to do. And, you know, it's good. I, I'm not as fond of the psychological, you know, trauma that all these people have been through and have to work on. Yeah, it's like they're beating a dead horse. Kind of. And uh, I noticed that Canto Bite, um, the Canto Bite book had the same thing where they kept repeating the same thing over and over and over. And it's like, um, this isn't a commercial. You don't need to say it three times. Right, right. <laughs> so so, so I, let, me, let me sum this up then. Are you recommending this book? Yes or no? And if so, for what audience? I would recommend this book. It, it's, um, I don't believe it's for children, no. but it's, if you like Star Wars and you like reading about, uh, you want to know more about what happened after the Empire fell, you're going to want to read the book. It, it's about a, uh, a specific squadron called Alphabet Squadron, and they're calling it Alphabet Squadron because they're not using all of the same kind of ship. Yeah. Right. There's an X-Wing and a Y-Wing and an A-Wing and a B-Wing and a U-Wing. So they're calling it the Alphabet Squadron. Yeah, that's where they get the nickname, which okay, I thought was makes, pretty clever. Yeah, that no, it sounds like a lot went into the title, and, and that makes sense. And if you're going to read this book, read it all the way to the end because there's something at the very end. That's what caught my attention. That was where the intrigue started for me. And so it's like, if there'd been a follow-up novel, I would have wanted to read that one. Um, maybe more so than this one. Right. And it, it kind of tantalizes you. So I don't know what happens after that. And maybe it's, maybe it's answered in the comic books. Yeah. Or maybe, maybe. eventually there's going to be a follow-up novel. You know, sometimes that is uh, uh, presented in that way. So the book is Star Wars Alphabet Squadron. Alexander Freed is the author. Comic mm-hmm. book is Age of Rebellion Villains. And villains. Villains, yes. And it's part of the Age of Rebellion series. Uh, word that I evidently cannot say today, but we will be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0. This is the section of the show where we answer your questions. Send them in. You can call us, 503-766-6264, or send them by social media, Facebook and Twitter, One User-Friendly. What are our questions? When I bought a computer, they sold me a UPS. Do I need a UPS? What does it do? All right, let, let's actually start there. Um, UPS is an acronym. It's short for Uninterruptible Power Supply. And okay. what it essentially is, is a battery backup unit. So if the power goes out, your devices that are plugged into it will still work. Secondary function of it is it guards against things like power spikes and power surges and that type of thing. So in answer to the question, do you really need one? It depends a little bit on the level of the equipment and the need for the equipment to have solid power that you're buying. I recommend them 
because they can solve a lot of problems where if there is a brownout or there's a power failure or a power spike, that it doesn't or it's not as likely to burn out the power supply in your computer. So even a cheaper computer could still benefit from this and other devices can as well. So I have a question. Um, years ago when we all had like a software business, those things were really expensive. Are they still like $150? There's actually a full range of them and it depends on the capacity of what you needed to do. They started at about 40 or 50 bucks now, so they aren't as expensive as they used to be. And they go all the way up to where you can spend a lot of money. Now I've got a bunch of different kind, uh, the ones that would run file servers. Those are six, seven hundred dollars a piece or more. They have multiple batteries and are designed for a higher load. So you're dealing with capacity for my basic desktop computer. I have one UPS. I think ran me. It's an APC is the name of the manufacturer. Ran me about 50 bucks. I've had it for a couple of years now. I just, as a matter of fact, about a week ago had to change the battery. So that's another thing to be aware of is they do take a battery and they last for about a year and a half to two years. When they go out, most units start beeping. Um, or give you some kind of an alarm. So I had that. The new battery, I think, was $22, and I was able to get it in one-day shipping from Amazon. So that's basically what they cost. Okay, so I have another question. Hmm. Um, what kind of devices can you put on this? Because I remember years ago, you could not put your um, fancy printers on power bars, and was it the UPS as well? Yeah, it's recommended not to put a laser printer. Uh, so a desk jet or that type of thing is perfectly fine. Some laser printers will work and just reference the documentation that comes with your printer or call their technical support to find out. The reason why this was more of an issue is because of the way it regulated uh, power, it could actually cause a problem with the motor on the laser, but that was much more prevalent with older printers. Okay, next question. Do I still need a separate digital camera as well as my phone? Yeah, you know, and this is a good question because we're in an era now where your smartphone kind of does everything. And certainly the digital camera side of it is one of them. In fact, the cameras that come on higher end phones can sometimes be better and do more than a, a separate digital camera would have. So for me, this just kind of comes down to need and ease of use. I still have a digital camera that I've had. It's, I think, 16 megapixel. I've had it for a couple of years. I don't know now if I would need to buy a separate one. The one on my phone does just as good. It also has the ability to do some 3D effects and some other things like that that the digital camera can't. So I think for most users, you don't need the separate device anymore. If you're doing something very special and specific. Like uh, a professional? Like a, well, <laughs> a, a professional. Like a professional photographer. Yeah, certainly a professional photographer would want different devices and lenses and things that you would have to have your own camera. The other one where I've still seen a separate camera be used is an appraiser, like a house appraiser where they take pictures of the property and all that kind of stuff. In that set of circumstances, they still had a separate camera. So there are some specialty things, but it's certainly not like it used to be. What is a Comcast Wi-Fi hotspot? Yeah, this question was specifically asked for Comcast, but this really refers to most larger internet service providers. But I'll answer it from the Comcast standpoint. What they're doing is in the areas that Comcast serves, they have Wi-Fi hotspots. And before COVID-19, it would be a situation that if you had an account with them, so in other words, your internet service is provided by Comcast, you could use them to provide you with hotspot access. So if you were traveling or something, you could put your phone or device on one of their hotspots and it would work just like you're at home in the sense of that you didn't need to use your mobile network and that type of thing. Since COVID-19, and at least until the end of the year, Comcast has opened these up for anybody that wants to use them. The idea is for businesses getting back on their feet or 
anybody that's had difficulties because of the COVID epidemic can go ahead and get their internet and go online. And it's really kind of a neat little feature. I find with my tablet that I still have that doesn't have built-in internet, it has to use Wi-Fi. It's kind of nice because I can travel around with it and still be able to get online just by connecting to the Wi-Fi hotspot, kind of like I would be on the home network. So that's all the time we have today. Send us your questions and your comments. One user friendly on Facebook and Twitter. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User Friendly 2.0. Joining us now, reporter Steve Mailer. Well, guys, thank you for that intro. Um, I'm having a, a fun meeting today with a very interesting young man who is deeply into photography, and, and he has created some very stunning imagery. His name is Jared Weintraub. Jared, welcome to User Friendly. Thank you, Steve. Okay, so I was looking at some of your the samples on your Facebook page, and uh, it's it's dazzling. As a as a camera bug myself, I need to know how did you get into photography? When did you get bit by the camera bug? Uh, it really it it came into my life in uh, in eighth grade. My dad um, gave me a, a, a old Canon camera uh, for my graduation gift, and I kind of just like fell in love with it it's uh it, it was not high-end uh quality at all it was a sure entry-level camera um but i just i just kept searching youtube videos and personally i've always been like obsessed with the ocean and surfing and waves so i started out shooting waves and um with a with a zoom lens from the shore um, oh wow okay yeah well, one of the first things i noticed as a camera guy was that some of the images that are on his website are absolutely striking. One of them, he's actually sitting under the curl of a wave. Now, Jared, I know that there's no way you could have gotten that from a telephoto lens from the shoreline. No. So how are you capturing some of these inside wave curls? So I actually have a water housing for my camera. So okay. my camera goes inside it, which makes it waterproof. And gotcha. Um, it's just basically a hard case kind of. Yeah, I've used them myself. Yeah. I've done for some underwater photography I've done or videography, um, I have used a similar housing. So does that does that preclude you from actually looking through the viewfinder or can you do you does it still give you an a representation of the image even in the inside the housing? No, yeah, I actually prefer looking through the viewfinder. Um, okay. Uh but just not when I'm shooting fisheye because it's just too wide and I just yes. hold it up. You mentioned the cameras that you started with, and uh, from some of the photos on your on your Facebook page, you've definitely gone on to higher levels of cameras. I mean, I saw one camera that you had that had a monstrous telephoto lens on it. Yes, is that's t so that's what you're using now. Yes, my uh, okay Canon 5D Mark IV. The the data format is. Would you say that it's raw or is it? Yeah. Uh, is it okay? So it, you are shooting in raw. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Good. Because I know that gives you a lot of latitude yeah, when, when you're when you're posting and when you're doing image processing. Now, um, when you do image editing, what kind of software are you using? Uh, primarily Lightroom, uh, Photoshop okay. for some things. I don't usually like to uh, to alter the photos from their natural state too much in Photoshop, like adding special mm -hmm. effects and things like that. But uh, okay, primarily 
70 to 80% of the time Lightroom. You not only have ocean shots like wave curls or what have you, I, I but you also do some very beautiful landscape work. Thank you. I think I saw one. I think I saw, I think it was the Grand Canyon if I'm not mistaken. Was it the uh, Horseshoe Bend? Yes. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's what it was. All right. I mean, it's just beautiful now because the colors are very rich and your your the highlights are amazing. So you're not doing a whole lot of modification. That's that's mostly you're kind of leaving what the camera captured. Yeah. As, okay. Wow. That, I mean, uh, it's it's that specific shot was actually five different shots bracketed to a. Uh, you need to explain that process a little bit because that's uh, i mean is that when you are you are you stitching it together like like a vr shot so bracketing is like you take different photos based on the numbers you see in the viewfinder which is uh, based off like stops of light underexposing and overexposing Mm -hmm. um so i usually take seven pictures negative three negative two negative one zero one, two, three. Um, so it just, it, you capture all of the light in the image. Like you capture all of the dark tones, all the mid tones and all the highlights. And when you merge them together, it creates a much more balanced image as opposed to something with a blown out sky or. God. Oh, wow. Yeah, you know, I don't think I've ever heard of, and they call that bracketing. Correct. Yes. I don't think I've heard that term before. You know, I love it when I learn something new. Yeah. So that's a composite shot of basically multiple f-stop exposures. Yes. Okay, that's fascinating. Okay, I love that. Now, I've noticed that you've done some, uh, not galleries, but you do like markets where you have your stuff on display and you have a booth and people can come up and purchase things from you. Correct, yeah. Now, you also have a website. What What is your website where people can see some samples of your work? Uh, JDWphotoart.com. Now, this, the resulting size of some of these images, like what would you say, because you're shooting raw, the, the resolution of these can be immense. Yeah. What's a typical file size of something that you might you might commission or someone might commission from you? Um, probably, well, after post-processing, probably around 15 megabytes. Okay. So I, okay. So that's, it's, a much, it's, a, it's a workable file. If someone needs to print it, for something it, it, that'll safely print up to 24 by 36. All right, no, that's that's awesome. I mean, it's you you definitely are embarking on a really neat career uh, because the the images that at least some of the ones that I've seen are absolutely stunning. Thank you. And uh, and keep up the great work. I mean, I, I always love uh, learning when old family friends have gotten into photography or the arts of, of some kind yeah. and they're really kind of stretching because that's that's neat it, it it's kind of been interesting to learn that about you and see uh some of the work that you've been doing and and uh just basically how you're kind of building your portfolio thank you yeah awesome so now you're off to college this fall i am i'm uh, i'm going to be a cal poly mustang the what you're studying is going to be business and a minor in photography correct how fitting yeah <laughs> being that that's kind of what you're doing already yeah yeah i really want um, to learn more about the business aspects of yes of that's important. and tie it into my photography because my ultimate goal is to somehow someday get a, a, a gallery or at least get my work in some galleries and I can totally see that. Yeah, I can see that happening sooner than later, quite frankly. But no, keep yeah, keep up the great work, Jared, and we'll we'll catch up with you. We will definitely catch up with you later. And as um and you know, good luck at college. 
it's amazing that you're already in college because uh, I've, I've known you since you were about eight days old. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> right. Again, your, your website is jdwphotoart.com. Yes, correct. So on jdwphotoart.com, you'll see some really great photography that Jared has done. And you have to remember, that he, he's, this is an 18-year-old kid, but he has some astounding shots of nature and waves and seascapes urbans abstracts he he also has some really neat night starfield shots which have uh, always have been favorites of of mine certainly these are great images that would very easily and beautifully adorn a living room wall or a man cave or just a, a place in your home that needs a really really neat shot of something that you probably have not seen too frequently so it's definitely worth checking out and you, you may want to get some of his stuff now before he becomes really, really famous, because this is a young man whose star is certainly on the rise. Well, Jared, as always, it's great catching up with you. Uh, certainly look forward to seeing what you're doing in the future. Keep up the great work. And uh, thank you so much for being with us here on User Friendly. Thank you, Steve, for having me. Bill, Jeremy, and Gretchen, take it away. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User Friendly 2.0. Great show this week, guys. Yeah. Yeah. So I know, you know, a lot of us are having to look at dealing with rereading and rewatching content that's already been out there. They are st- talking about starting to open the studios again, but it's going to be a while, I think, until we really get any new anything. Content? So I know yeah. we've all been kind of rereading some of our old books and rewatching some old television. What have you guys been doing? Okay, so I decided that I was going to reread uh, Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit. And um, that's been interesting, especially since I'd watched the movies quite a few times. And we have the the special edition four-hour thing that's got all the extra stuff in it, and it still doesn't have all the scenes from the book. Yeah. And so, Jeremy, you decided to um, reread Yeah, what? I've been reading uh, rereading the Ranger's Apprentice series. And I've also been rereading the uh, Belgariad series by David Eddings. Okay. And Bill, what are you going to do? Well, I also am looking at rereading the Rangers Apprentice series. I've also been catching up. I, I don't watch a lot of television. I just, I, I you know, it's one of those things that I do it occasionally, but uh, to really be get and able to get into a lot of new stuff, I've actually had the time to do that. So I finally got around to watching Picard. Um, I've been watching a series called Upload on Amazon, yeah. and I've been watching a series called uh, Space, uh, what is not Space Patrol, the new department. Space Force. Space, Space Force. Force, yeah. And, <laughs> uh, you know, so it's 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 interesting to see some of this stuff and kind of you know what everybody's talking about and that type of thing. Uh, upload I've liked. It's definitely for adults. Uh, you yeah. might not want to bring yeah. your kids to that. Uh, <laughs> Space, Space Force, personally, I thought it was kind of a disappointment. I really, it was just, I don't know, stupid. Um, we, we haven't gotten very far into it. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, I have. I mean, it held my attention. It's not something I'd want to watch again. Um, okay. Definitely, uh, I, I don't know. I don't know. It's it's making fun of things, and if you like that kind of humor, then you're probably going to enjoy it. I mean, I thought it was pretty well done from a production standpoint. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, yeah. The, the actors do their roles well, that type of a thing. But as far as what it is, it's just like, okay, you know, whatever the case may be. So. Okay. But, you know, have you guys watched that? 
We watched, we watched the first part half of it. it. Yeah, you yeah, said so you had not really know. What did you think of it? It, it seemed like it had potential, and from what I'm getting from you is that maybe the potential waned. Right. Yeah. You know um, that that the potential didn't for uh, come forth. Yeah. You know, sometimes you watch a series in the first, you know, a couple of episodes are a little stiff, and maybe the humor's a little a little bit off, and then as time goes on, it gets really sharp. Like the Orville was really sharp. Yeah, yeah. Well, the Orville, just, I like. Yeah, it got it just, better and better and better, and yeah. so I like Orville. I don't know if I'd say that this does, but anyway, we'll give the rest of our opinion on it as we get to the end of these things. Now, fortunately, User Friendly 2.0 does have new content. We've been able to produce from our home studios, so check us out. Also, check out our Alexa Flash Briefing. Just add it to your skills. This is User Friendly 2.0, keeping you safe on the cutting edge. User Friendly 2.0 is copyright 2020, User Friendly Media Group, Inc. The views and opinions expressed in this show are those of the host and not necessarily User Friendly Media Group, Inc. or this station. Music licensing by BMI. Hosting provided by WeAreTechnology.com. Podcast available at TheAnswerPortland.com or UserFriendlyShow.com.